The Anton Savage Show Sunday. Brought to you by PwC. Combining talent and technology, we're hardwired to find solutions. On News Talk. One of the big stories making the uh, papers this weekend is that of immigration. The Sunday Times saying coalition tackles immigration fears in plan for public. And the subhead Tishik admits the issue is likely to dominate the next election when the man responsible for handling that issue is with us. He's the Minister for Children, Equality, Disability, Integration and Youth. That being uh, Roderick O'Gorman. Minister, you're very welcome. Good morning, Anton. Thanks for having me on. It is a pleasure. Can I go back to uh, the mail yesterday? They had a survey of people looking at the issue of immigration. One of the questions they asked was about the government's performance in relation to immigration. And roughly 73, 74% said that the government was not handling immigration well. That would seem to be a fairly direct indictment of you. I think we are tackling and, and responding to the biggest humanitarian crisis our country has ever seen, uh, a, a kind of a, a, a perfect storm of the war in Ukraine and the consequences from that and the wider increase in migration and increase in numbers of people seeking international protection. And I think by and large, we've done it well. We've accommodated 75,000 Ukrainians and a further 25,000 people in the international protection process. But we would also very clearly recognise across government that our systems have to change. Our systems were designed for much smaller numbers of people coming to Ireland seeking international protection. 2019, the year before this government came to office, we had about 4,500 people seeking international protection. In 2022, it was 15,000. Last year, it was 13,000. So that's why both myself and Minister McEntee are reforming our respective parts. Minister McEntee doing a lot of work to make the processing quicker and smoother. And I, in the next number of weeks, bringing forward reform proposals in terms of how we accommodate international protection applicants and particularly how we have more state-owned accommodation where we can plan where the accommodation is located, the support services uh, around it, and where the accommodation is state-owned rather than uh, the, the, the state spending large amounts of money into the private sector. Well, to the issue of accommodation, whatever about the influx of uh, asylum seekers and the influx of uh, refugees, being able to manage it in a way that the buildings in which you are going to house them are not set on fire before they get there, I wouldn't have thought is something that is too big an ask. There's a breakdown in the in the mail of the buildings that have been attacked so far. Ralston, or Ralton House in uh, Sherrod Street set on fire. Tents set on fire in Sandwood Street. A direct provision centre in Buncrana um, ha- having fireworks thrown at Ridge Hall and Ballybrack set on fire. Suspected arson at the Great Southern Hotel in Ross Lair. The Ross Lake Hotel in uh, Galway set on fire. The Shipwright Pub in Dublin's Rings End set on fire. How have you managed to get to a position where that level of dissent and distrust has developed and where it has been allowed to cause that kind of damage and vandalism? Well, I think it's important that we don't generalise that the actions of a few, of a small number of individuals, highly dangerous, highly criminal acts, that we don't a, a, a kind of associate that that's the general view in terms of the approach to, to, to migration in our country. I know there are uh, detailed investigations being led well, by Andarda Shia Again, right if I go back to that survey, the view is saying that 80% of people believe that the country is essentially full. 
but I think it's important that we don't link that directly to the the instances of of, of arson and, and, and those but really sure dangerous they are not acts. unconnected. If you have a view that says that we are letting in people that we shouldn't, well, the ultimate extension of that view is this kind of criminality. Well, when I, I, I'm regularly out canvassing in, in, in my own constituency and the issue of migration does come up on doors. Uh, and I think when you talk people through the elements of it, the particular situation we're facing now in terms of the responding to the, the, the war in Ukraine, something none of us anticipated <clears throat> at the start of 20, 20, uh, 2022. Uh, and when you also cut through the, the very significant amount of disinformation that's out there in terms of, uh, in, in terms of the rights people have when they, when they arrive, in terms of the, 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 the supports that they get, most people recognise that we do want to provide support to those who need it, but they also see that the system does need to but be Minister, reformed, I, I put it which to you is what myself Minister McEntee are Indeed. working on. Two of the elements within that are within your purview. One of them is the communications to get people to understand the reality. If you say there is misinformation, it was up to you and your government to counter and challenge that. And the other is policing and security to make sure that that misinformation does not result in mass arson. It would seem to be a failure in both. Well, we absolutely um, recognise that we do need to communicate and communicate clearly. Uh, we made changes in our department in terms of when we're opening individual um, uh, accommodation centres around the country. We now have a community engagement team which does provide information to uh, TDs, senators, councillors, community groups in terms of, uh, of new moves. It engages with statutory uh, bodies as well. And I think quite a number of even opposition TDs have, have recognised that, that that system has a uh, has improved. I think across government, we are going to be, uh, in terms of setting out very clearly what are the rights and responsibilities of those who, who seek international protection here and how that process works. Uh, but sorry, Minister, continue to, to the core to, of, those, to, to, of, to, of my to, question, to communicate that. we are three years into your tenure at this, four years nearly at this point. If we have a situation where there is misinformation that has taken hold, is that not your responsibility? If we have a situation where there has been arson on a number of sites because that misinformation has been allowed to be used to foment vandalism and criminality, is that not your responsibility? Well, we have to work, obviously, on every uh, site where a piece of accommodation we're opening to ensure, the, to the best of, of our ability, to ensure safety there, to ensure safety of individuals, to ensure safety of, uh, of, of, of property. Where certain individuals decide to take the law into their own hands, where they decide to engage in criminal acts, it, 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 it is and it will be the responsibility of Vanguard Shia Kona to, to undertake investigations and bring forward prosecutions. Of I, which I, there have I, been zero and I know, in relation to any of the arsons. And I know, having spoken to Minister McEntee, she and Vanguard Shia Kona are confident that in the, con, in, in the, uh, in the case of the, uh, the, the Ross Lake Hotel in Galway and also uh, the, uh, the, the uh, accommodation in in Ring's End, accommodation that wasn't even being used by our department was being used by the Dublin Regional uh, Homelessness Executive. That there that that prosecutions will be brought forward in those instances, and I think that will be hugely important. What then is the new communications campaign that we are being told about? Because the papers this weekend are reporting that uh, there is going to be a coalition 
uh, strategy in relation to communication about uh, immigration. What's that going to be? Well, the Department of Taoiseach will be leading out on this and it's again to provide clear, factual information in terms of what are the rights and responsibilities of people in the, in the international protection process, how the process works, because too often, and as, as you know, we, we hear these um, kind of um, incendiary language of plantation and unvetted males and the like. And I think it's really important that people have the facts in terms of how the process operates when somebody arrives in Ireland, when they seek international protection and what are the various steps that take place, but also what are the changes that government are bringing to those steps, particularly in terms of speeding up that process. We know that in the past it took six, seven, eight years for someone's international protection application to go through the various stages. Minister McEntee has done a huge amount of work over the last year. She's doubled the staff in the International Protection Office and she's really been able to bring down that processing time. But just explain to me, what is it that you think that people are getting wrong? If we have a view, according to the recent poll, that says that more than three quarters of people believe that Ireland has taken enough in the way of uh, immigrants and asylum seekers. What is it that your communications plan will reverse in that belief? I'm, I'm not saying uh, people are getting anything wrong, but what I just what we want to ensure is that people have the accurate information in terms of how these processes operate. But that's so just the information can, they currently have is inaccurate. Well, I, I think there is. There's a huge amount of, uh, if, if you go online at, at any point in any of these discussions, there's a huge amount of entirely inaccurate information okay, out so there well, being promoted me back to where by... What is it that people get wrong? What is the wrong view or wrong understanding created by this misinformation? I believe there's a, a, a lot of uh, incorrect information out there about the various stages of the processes, uh, about, about the rights of, of people to seek international protection uh, and about the, the state's response where people aren't successful because we've always been very clear international protection is there for people who, who need it, who are fleeing war, who are feeling persecution, where someone enters the international protection process and they're not able to prove that, they won't be able to, to, to get so a So reading a between the lines, does that mean status? that people don't understand that you will deport those who don't get refugee status and you need to tell them that? Is that it? I think it is important that all steps of the process, including the final elements where someone is, un, uh, is, unsuc- is, is unsuccessful in their application, are properly and fully communicated to, uh, to, 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 the, to the public so people can understand that this is a rules-based system. It is a rules-based system that's operating, but it's a rules-based system that was designed for much smaller numbers of people coming through it each year. And we as a government are changing it and strengthening it so it can deal with more with, with, with the higher numbers. Well, if we take the Indos numbers from yesterday, 26,279 people seeking international protection currently within the state, mm-hmm. of that number, what amount do you expect to fail in their applications and be deported? I think when you look back historically, we uh, as a country usually ha- have granted international protection in about 60% of, uh, of cases through both the first and second stages. Um, now, again, uh, that, that, that's, that's, that's using the, the when, when we had smaller numbers. So I, I can't say it's an immediate extrapolation, but, but by and large, historically, you look back, you'd, you'd look at about 60%. So even if we took that as a ballpark, you're still looking, you're not still, you are looking mm-hmm. at 16,000, 17,000 people being granted international protection. In the context of all of the polls suggesting that people resent how many asylum seekers are within the country, 
will that not still be just as big a problem even if they understand that there are 40% deportations? Well, um, that is the, the outcome of a system that, uh, that, that, that requires Ireland and every other uh, country to provide asylum for people who are able to prove that they, that they require it. Uh, and the numbers in Ireland, let's say we did grant 15,000 people a- asylum after the end of the process. It is a, still a small number compared to uh, the, the amounts that many other European countries uh, uh, provide asylum to. And it's also a small number in terms of a, a, a country of a population of 5 million people, 15,000 is, is, a, is a relatively small number uh, in comparison. It does seem to be creating flashpoints depending on how that number is split up around the country. Most recently we had uh, in Ross Gray, we saw um, TD Michael Lowry and others raising significant concerns about what he describes and what others describe as the only hotel in the town being given over to asylum seekers. Have you gotten it wrong in Rossgrave? Well, we are under very significant pressure to provide accommodation for families and for female applicants right now. As you know, we're not in a position to provide accommodation for all male applicants. That's not a situation that I want, but I've always said we will seek to provide accommodation for female applicants and families because we've seen increase in the number of of female and family applicants over the last number of weeks uh, we're under real pressure there and that's why the accommodation in Ross Grey will be used for, for families I absolutely understand that um, where a, a hotel in a in, in a in a, a, a town uh, its use changes I understand that has an impact for But what is being asserted is it's not a hotel it's the hotel. And I, and I understand that has an impact. And that's why it's important that we are able to better plan where we locate accommodation. And that's why I'm bringing forward this proposal in the next number of weeks that takes a more planned approach. Our department's approach... Has, are you saying the approach it, in Ross Grey was not planned? I, I'm saying that the approach we've had to take nationally is a reactive approach. We've had to take accommodation where we can find it because of the, 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 significant, uh, the significant need and because of the significant increase in demand, both in terms of Ukrainian and international protection applicants. We need to move to a more planned approach where we identify across the country a number of locations for accommodation centres where the state uh, is in control of those. They're state-owned, where we have better control over the conditions within them, where we're able, as I say, to plan where they're located. But also, it's a state-owned asset. So which money which to some extent makes sector. it sound like those who are raising protests about what is happening in Ross Grey are right, that this is not a solution that you would have liked, that it is not a planned-out solution, and that it's an ad hoc grab at what's available. I've always been very clear that, um, you know, we are responding to a humanitarian crisis. And again, in the situation in Ross Grey, we are responding to the needs of families to ensure that they will be accommodated. Uh, and and my department, as long as, as people continue to seek international accommodation, we will have to do that. But it is also important as a government that we are moving forward in terms of a longer term accommodation uh, solution, a longer term accommodation plan. And in just as much as Minister McEntee is reforming her part of the system to make it a fit for purpose for larger numbers of people, my department is working to reform the accommodation element to make it fit for purpose. But in an ideal world, you would rather not have taken the only hotel in Ross Grey? In an ideal world, I would like to be able to plan 
where people are being accommodated across the country and do so in a more structured way. But I have an obligation, I have a legal obligation to provide accommodation for people in the international protection process. And that's what I'm seeking to, to achieve in Ross Grey uh, and everywhere around the country where we've opened uh, accommodation. Have you set a dangerous precedent for yourself in respect of what the mail is referring to as two U-turns? This is plans to house male asylum seekers at properties in Ballinrobe in Mayo and uh, one in Carlo. And they say that on foot of protests, that plan was abandoned. Is that the equivalent of putting up a sign saying, if you shout loud enough, we'll change our policy? It's not, because in both of those locations, the change in uh, policy was solely to do with our need to accommodate families. Uh, up to October of Protests last year... Protests had no impact? No. Up to last year. Well, uh, Anton, I've dealt with protests. Our department has dealt with protests all over the country uh, and we've continued to provide accommodation in those locations. Up to November of last year, we would see a need for about 300 spaces for, uh, for, for families per month. Uh, that's increased very significantly over the last two months. In, in, in the first four weeks of this year, we have a need of uh, 750 spaces for our families. And I've always said that family applicants and female applicants, we will do our best, our absolute best to ensure that they are they are accommodated. If we have, hadn't made those changes in Carlo, in Ballinrobe, we would have seen families left unaccommodated. It was an operational decision and my department and the officials in my department has to have that flexibility to deal with the needs of the people who, who, who are before us on a particular day. So I take it therefore a, a similar U-turn is unlikely in respect of Ross Gray. I know you're meeting representatives this week. Yeah, be, they, are, I, they are going to be told, tough luck, there's no room at the end. I'll be engaging in a, a continuous Continue to engage with the with the elected reps for uh, for for Tip North, but uh, uh, we need to provide accommodation for families and for female applicants in uh, in Ross Grey. Uh, final question, just in relation to the communications of this, do you see it as something of a snub that it is not you and your department who is running communications relation to relating to integration and immigration, but rather the Taoiseach has decided to take it? No, I don't. I think it's really important that this is done on a, a, a cross-government basis. This is a, this is a, 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 a challenge that faces an entire government, not just my department. As I've already discussed, uh, the, the, a lot of the operational side is between my department and the Department of Justice. So there's two departments and myself, Minister McEntee, work very, very closely. But the need to support uh, those uh, seeking international protection there and the need to, to respond to make sure there are resources within communities is something that has to be achieved across government, not just in my own department. I want to ask you briefly about housing in a second, but before that, the, the final thing in respect of this, it is evident that there, maybe I'm, I'm inferring too much, but the the logical inference in, in what Leo Radker has said is that there is a shift and a hardening in respect of immigration policy. He's, he's using language like tough but fair, which is, is to, it's a long way from bring us your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. In the context of a country which has so greatly benefited over the years from others taking our emigrants, do you think we are delivering on our moral responsibility if we change to a much harder policy? Well, I don't think there's any discussion of changing to a harder policy. We have a, we have a rules-based system uh, and it's important that we communicate what those rules are. But 
we have accommodated, we, we have provided under the Temporary Protection Directive responding to the war in Ukraine. We've uh, provided uh, 100,000 people with the right to come to, to Ireland from Ukraine. We're accommodating 75,000 of them. We're accommodating 26,000 people into the international protection process. Those are huge numbers of people. Uh, and uh, I, 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 I think we have very much fulfilled our our, our, our you don't think language like the teacher saying we need to be firm and tough on those who have come here illegally. I think we need to demonstrate that and we will do so. You don't think that's harder language than we have heard recently? Well, we've always been very clear as a government, this is a rules-based system and where people have gone through the process and are found that they don't meet the requirements of international protection, they can't get it. I don't judge anybody who comes here, uh, maybe as an economic migrant. Every Irish family knows people who've gone abroad as economic migrants, but there are pathways to do that through visa systems, through work permit systems. The international protection process is not the route if you're looking to come to Ireland as an economic migrant international protection is there for people fleeing war fleeing persecution and it has to be maintained for that Final thing then the the housing of course overlaps to some extent with the issues because the provision of accommodation were we neck deep in housing your job would be a lot easier one assumes Um, the government has increased its targets for housing the Construction Industry Federation is saying it is possible within the market to deliver 60,000 units per annum almost immediately Government is saying that's not possible until 2030. Do you believe that the CIF has got it wrong? Well, um, we're absolutely committed to increasing the amount of housing, uh, both social, affordable and cost rental. And I know even in in my own constituency, there's a new cost rental development coming online, uh, giving people the the ability to to, to access rental accommodation at at, at a cheaper rent. And that was a key element for the Green Party going into into government. I think we have to be uh, as, as I suppose, honest and upfront in terms of what can be delivered. 60,000, says the CIF. And look, we will always seek to deliver the maximum amount of housing that we see as possible. But I also don't think if 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 within the Department of Housing, uh, uh, no one will thank us for uh, claiming that we're about to deliver exaggerated figures. No one will thank us for that. And I but think that is important. how you would characterise them. You think they are exaggerated and unrealistic figures, what the Construction Industry Federation is saying? I would always be guided by the figures that our Department of Housing believe can be can be delivered within each uh, w- within each year. And I know those are increasing and that increase is what's going to get us out of the current housing crisis. Minister, thank you very much for coming in on a cold Sunday morning. That is Minister for Children, Thanks, Equality, Disability, Integration and Youth, Roderick O'Gorman. The Anton Savage Show. Brought to you by PwC. Sunday mornings from 10. On News Talk.